Hi, Don. Hello. I'm very excited to be back <laughs> with Gift Girls Faith Season 2 for us to have our kickoff conversation. I know I had a, another conversation with Scott while we were quarantined big time, but um, this is sort of our official kickoff yes. conversation. I'm back here at your house. Yes. Outside. We are outside on the back patio. So yes. we have the wind to contend with, but hopefully that won't be too distracting. On a lovely day. We yes. couldn't have asked for a nicer day. It to just do confirms this. that this was the right thing right? to do under extraordinary circumstances and, and obstacles. We've talked and like, how can we do this? What, you know, how could it work? What will we do? And here we are. Right. And of Back course, again. at the beginning of the summer, I was just too, at the beginning of the quarantine, like just had no headspace with the remote schooling and all of that to oh. even think about any of these interesting things. What a year. I mean, everything <laughs> went on the record player, yeah. you know, like <laughs> complete shift. Yes. So. I mean, I remember saying to you in the summer, we got together at one point and saying, everything interesting about me is just dead right now. <laughs> I remember you saying <laughs> that. You were like, I'm just not in touch with the interesting part of myself. <laughs> like, oh, I remember those days of younger children and the needs and just the constant, you know, nature of parenting at that point. And, oh, it's rough. And how was your COVID experience? Oh, my I goodness. Mean, still right? going on and on and on, I know. On but. and on. Yeah, it's exhausting, isn't it? I think all of us feel it, uh, just that fatigue. But when I was thinking back on it, like, society of experiences that I've heard, like some people are bored to death with, you know, the same old, same old. And I've had so much change seems strange we were we sold our house and um <laughs> we were actually at disneyland disney world in i'm banging the table again in um florida when my daughter's trip um for school got canceled and like she was supposed to be coming down there for spring training for softball and then they're not coming and we're already there like in the airport thinking what should we do now and nobody knew it was happening this was like March 10th and um, anyway we spent a few strange days in Florida and came back to living with my mom and dad and so we were moved into my parents house while we were looking for our next home which just stopped everything stopped and so my my college kids came home and there were eight of us tucked into that it's not a tiny house, it, there was enough room nobody had to sleep on a couch but um, not everybody had a, a bedroom with a door that shut or anything like that you know, so it was make do but they were gracious enough to have us and um, it had its moments for sure, it was, it was stressful navigating uh, who you are as a daughter and who you are as a, a wife and who you are as a mom all under one household um, if you're not used to that it's challenging uh, and then with all the uncertainties in the world going on and now you've moved into your house and you're getting yes. all settled yes so now we're city dwellers and couldn't be happier with it really so delighted to be there <laughs> And it's starting to feel like home. Again, it's a strange time to be new in the neighborhood. People are quite friendly, walking their dogs and, you know, walking by, and yet there aren't really conversations to be had, or there are no invites, you know, and that kind of thing. It's more like, well, 
normal circumstances, we have a Halloween party and, you know, we'd have you over. Um, and vice versa, we'd have our own things. So it kind of feels like our own little happy island, which I have to say can be guilt producing, you know, during a time when so much is not right with the world. So it's bizarre. It's a really paradoxical kind of experience. But yeah, that's what's been happening for me and for you. Yeah, one day at a time, that's all I can manage. Even now, they're back at school, so I've started to be able to think my thoughts, and I've gotten really excited about this. I was really excited about the conversation I had with Scott and really glad to just get going because I started to have a fear that we would never do it again because it just takes so much effort, in a way, mm -hmm. for us to do this. Mm -hmm. and, then, and yet, I am still so joyful and motivated about it and it's one of the kind of leads into sort of the first question I have for this conversation is, why are we doing this podcast? You know, <laughs> I know remind me. Right. Again. Why are we doing this? And <laughs> we're in this strange little nook, mm -hmm. like this really special space between sort of church, church, traditional, traditional church or whatever that brings up and and doubt and ex exploration and the dangerous mm -hmm. questions. And it's kind of a place where it can be threatening to a lot of people that might stumble across our podcast. Sure. So why are we doing this podcast, in your opinion, or in, right now, today? <laughs> today. <laughs> um, because that's where we live. You know, like we live in those questions. And um, just because maybe, you know, churches are virtual now or, you know, you're having to make choices about whether to attend live or, you know, be online or or not attend at all, those are still the things that occupy how I behave in the world. And um, I think I go back to the comment that you made that struck me as years ago, but that comment that you said, you know, I just, and in the context of the conversations that we were having with a group of friends and how life-giving they were and just that hope that you have when you hear someone else mirror back to you a concern or a thought or a, a doubt that you may have or, or something that just doesn't, it just doesn't line up for you. It just doesn't work that way. And to have someone else validate that, how enriching and powerful that really was to let you know that the ground still holds. It's still there, even though it feels rocky and turbulent. And you said at that time, I just want to free Jesus from the chains that we have him in, you know, from this box that we keep him in. And I remember laughing and at times that, that comment will come back to me and I'll think, you know, that's completely outrageous. It's completely, um, what's the right word? When you're full of yourself, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, like audacious yeah. that you think we could do that, you know? And yet, that is what I keep coming back to, that so many times the systems or the, the circles that we run in, if you're a Christian, have this sense that this is where Jesus belongs, this is where God belongs, this is how he works, we have it figured out, and you know, we have some books, I feel like diving right into the book we're going to talk about because it leads right there. But that's why, you know. Well, I do think we should. I mean, I did write that down just in my <laughs> note here, like that. I, I said it sort of foreshadows the book that we're going to talk yes. about in our next episode. Right. But um, the, he says that a lot of people get to a point where it's not adding up and they can either 
repress quote it. is reject yep. religion or suppress doubts. Mm-hmm. But I really believe there's a third way, and I think that's what we've been doing from day one, is yes. there is a third way. You don't have to reject your faith, and you don't have to suppress or pretend or quiet yourself or hide. Right. Uh, and that's just, that's what I think we're doing. We're, we're just opening up that third way for ourselves and then hopefully encouraging others to entertain those, those sort of um, faith-saving questions. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, it's not for everybody. For some people, there really isn't any desire to question further, and that's okay that everybody's on their own journey. But for those people that would either walk away and just completely reject faith, there, there's, there's hope. There's, there's, and it's just fascinating stuff. Right. So yeah. I feel like I, I wanted to acknowledge that I'm doing it for me, too. Uh-huh. You know, like, yeah. it's like, like, I feel like I have been quieted all my life, mm-hmm. even though I grew up in a secular environment because I'm still part of our society, which asks women to be quiet. And to not shine too brightly, you know, and to come under authority. And this, I, I, I learned that just growing up in a secular home, let alone the church world of patriarchy and, mm-hmm. you know, hierarchy and all of those structures that are feel unmovable. And it's one thing I heard someone uh, this week say that podcasts are the new pulpit. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> Here I am being arrogant and audacious again. <laughs> That's what we need. That's what we need. Well, I did. I felt like just think of all the voices, all the people that have something to say that if they had a platform, even if it was just a small platform like a podcast that who knows any number of people might hear and that the people that needed to hear that would find it. Right. As opposed to all this control over who gets to speak and who gets to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like um, that excitement about, oh my gosh, like, just the way this happened, we started this podcast before we could ever have imagined what would happen to our world. Absolutely. And now it's impossible to meet at church in a big group, especially the bigger churches. Right. So this whole model that every church has been striving after, having a big church, growing the church, getting more butts in the seats, all of that is absolutely... At a standstill. At a standstill. (laughs) And I think it will be maybe a permanent change to sort of the way we do church Mm -hmm. and not everybody feels the need to do a podcast but anybody that does have a voice or something to say or a question or a thought they want to share it's a powerful medium it's very intimate true yeah it's changed my life you know um listening to podcasts it's funny actually doing one um it's still a very strange experience. I feel buoyed along by your enthusiasm, and I will like be honest about that, you know. So I have these these mixed emotions when I do my prep, you know, for for doing one of one of these recordings, and I have to remind myself that okay, I'm not reviewing this book. I'm not here to to teach or to be an expert. In fact, one of the podcasts I listen to is called By Evolving Faith, which is a conference you and I attended. And Sarah Bessie is one of the hosts. And she made this comment during a podcast I just listened to that I loved. She said, you know, when you're able to doubt and, and ask questions, like kind of poke the beehive and you're given that permission, it allows you to become a student and not an expert. 
And so that's the mode that I want to stay in. And when I start doing prep, I start turning into the, okay, now I have to make sure I say this and we have to, you know, but really what I look for is having this conversation with you and hoping that maybe someone else will benefit from it, that there would be other people who, if they could be, would choose to be at this table with us, would choose to pick up a book like this and spend the time reading and asking their own questions and bringing their own questions to the table. And that has been life-giving for me as an experience. And this is sort of like the next morphing of that. Um, So I keep kind of taking the next step, like, okay, well, let's do it. Let's, Let's do this again. Let's try, you know, so... So how are we going to approach the content in this next season, considering all that's gone on? Right. We've talked about this separately, uh, privately rather. Um, We're two white women. Uh, How to even begin is scary. It's like the words are forming in my mind, and I'm hesitant to even say Say them. Say it. Right? Say it. Well, you know, we're women of privilege. Um, We have the ability to do this. Uh, to have time in our lives where we can do this. And first, I just want to say for myself, this year has been um, one of those sort of startlingly when the earth is shifting underneath you kind of feelings in terms of racial injustice. And and even a step back from that, I'm ashamed to say, (laughs) even in terms of current events, I have led a life privileged enough that I didn't even really have to pay attention to what was happening in the world unless I wanted to. And I didn't want to. I was brought up in a home that was uh, very much patriarchal. And we did not talk about politics. Uh, We didn't talk about current events at dinner. We talked about the church. And everything was through the lens of what was happening in the church because... My dad is a pastor. It was, you know, men who decided who would be voted for and, you know, how, how to think about things. And um, I remember that specifically not, not finding a place for myself there. And that sounds like an excuse, and perhaps some of it is, because I took two classes. I took one class in high school called Constitutional Law, and I took, like, a current events class or something in, in college. And I remember being fascinated that all this was happening and I didn't, I wasn't part of it. I, I, I felt new to it. And yet I didn't know how to take it into my life. Like when I would hear about, I'm trying to think of a specific example, something happening I won't be able to from that time. I didn't know how to respond to it. I didn't know what to do with that information. That didn't translate into, well, get them to come to church. That didn't translate into they just need to be saved, although that was sometimes the answer. You know, we just need to, like, make sure that their eternal destiny is taken care of and these other problems will, they'll just, you know, like either God will show up miraculously. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but that was not how any of it was framed. And so I have been able to live my life choosing not to know, choosing to be ignorant about things that happen all the time because I can't think of a way to respond to it. And this year, 
being in quarantine uh, with very little happening. You know, I, I left my job. I haven't gone back. So I wasn't working. My kids were all home. I, I didn't need to attend to anything outside my home. And yet the phone, you know, like just watching what was happening in the world. And I can still remember the day Breonna Taylor was killed and going downstairs to where my children were and asking them, what's showing up on your feeds? And we, start, we had a conversation about that. And I was stunned by that act in a physical way, which hasn't happened to me in a long, long time, if ever. I mean, I would think that the earthquake in Haiti uh, in 19, no, in 2010 was significant. And as a church, we had a response to that. Like we actually had connections there in which we could physically do something to be of help. And you've, you've talked about that, you know, with Scott and being involved, but still involved in that and everything. But this year, having these things brought, like you, I, I would say you can't avoid seeing it, but you still can. You still can. And so I'm just like a baby like waking up to some of these things that I am mutually ashamed of. And then as soon as I take a little baby step forward, I congratulate myself for. <laughs> and it becomes this like pride thing that I have to constantly navigate. Like I went to my first protest this year. I've never done that before. And, and I had that exact feeling. I was ashamed that at 52 years old, I had never put myself bodily in place to make a statement for people who needed support. And but back to the original thought, how do we proceed and talk about these things now right. when it's fraught with landmines everywhere? Right. Well, it, it makes me think a little bit about the podcast as the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Because in a way, when you have the traditional hierarchy of church, you have one person, maybe maybe more than one, you know, a group of people that control all the content. That in a way, the hierarchy of the church is a brilliant way to repress people from asking those questions or having the motivation. I think part of what, I, I mean, you know, I've been thinking about this for years, that being passive in church, it just can't be God's will. To have one person talking or a handful of people controlling the content and everybody else passively taking it in. And then, okay, supposedly they're supposed to go out then and do. But do they? Do people? I think, like, it has to be connected. You can't just take in somebody else's words and then do something. You first have to make it your own, you know? And I think this area... This it has area, to happen to you. Right. And this work in anti-racism, it's kind of... I gave up my responsibility to do something. Right. And um, and it, it just prevents people from doing the work that is so clearly laid out in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's just an interesting paradox. Talk about paradox where you have these millions of Christians that are repressed within their congregations and not actually doing the work of God. Um, and I mean, I, I am a baby, too. I'm just beginning. I, this podcast is really outside of my work in the arts. This podcast is, I feel like, the first time that I am doing something. Mm-hmm. And I remember when Scott first started going to Haiti, I was jealous. Yeah. Because I would be, I was proud of him, and I was always excited about the work. And 
I felt like even though when he started, you know, we had infants and then more babies came. So I was always left alone with like the, the crew um, that when he was away, I always was strangely blessed that it went well, that it, the kids were well behaved or whatever. It was easier Nobody than when he went on business and, trips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, Holy Spirit, you're active here. Like there's some protection over my family so that I'm not getting bitter while he's going off to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been kind of an interesting testimony, if you will, for me, for us mm-hmm. about his work there. And a, another, to use the word again, like a confirmation that it is what God wants him to do. Mm-hmm. But I remember being jealous of that a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, he's out there. He's doing it. And I am not. I am not. I am sitting passively in the pew and then I'm taking care of my kids, which is, I know, and and I lived on this. I lived on this and you helped me because you for a while were leading the family ministries and the whole, the truth that leaning into being a parent and doing your best and growing as a parent and all of that is doing the work of God Mm -hmm. in a Mm -hmm. really important and primary undeniable way. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's hard to feel that when you're in the trenches and you want to be doing something And we don't have a system that applauds that in many ways and doesn't uphold that as honorable as something else that's a little more sexy. Yes, exactly. So I think in terms of the books, we might kind of throw out what we were going to do and choose right. all new material just because the world has shifted. Yes, it has. And what we want to talk about and the questions that seem urgent have changed. Yes. And the conversations, you know, I just will probably say it over and over again. I'm a student and not an expert. I'm a student and not an expert. And I, I want to keep that frame of mind, you know, as we move forward. Some of the books I read this year, I have a couple that just life-changing, but I don't have it, you know? It it isn't uh, something that I could necessarily give to other people. It's it's just still a conversation that I'm having with myself and with you and hopefully, you know, with the online audience, so that's what Great, I'm excited. So (laughs) next time we're going to be discussing The Idolatry of God by Peter Rollins, a very interesting book. So that will be what we start with. It is fascinating. Yes, Uh, certainly a provocative book. And that is what, you know, what we decided to name this season, Provocative Conversations. And I struggled with titles. Remember at one point you said, what if if we title it Conversations That Will Get You Kicked Out of Your Small Group? (laughs) And I wanted to name it that, but it just didn't flow. But that really is sort of... The idea, and that until you can have those conversations, like for me at least, I don't feel like I'm living an authentic, faithful life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bring it. Yeah. <laughs> so should we pray over the season? Sure. That do you like... want to do that, or shall I do that? I can do that. Okay. I can do that. I'm going to use the terms that you use, because I just love it. Mother, Father, God, thank you for the opportunity to express our thoughts, to explore, uh, to be humbled, to learn, and to grow. Thank you that you bless those things, that it's part of who we know you to be, a God of creation, a God of growth, a God of bringing seasons, the ebb and flow of life. And for every person who is listening, who's reading along, who's in any way thinking about um, the conversations that we have, I pray that you would bring to them new insight, um, a fresh perspective, a thought that gives them a place 
where they feel at home, a connection with others that helps them transcend feeling isolated or feeling defeated or feeling despair. Because this is a year that we lean hard on hope. And thank you that you are the God of hope. And thank you that you are already in these conversations and none of them are appalling to you or offensive to you or surprising to you. You're that big. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. And if you guys want to check out some of our other recordings from season one, you can find us at uh, giftgirls.blog. That's our website. Um, also, you can email us at giftgirlsfaith at gmail.com. And we hope you will email us with questions and suggestions. In fact, the idolatry of God was a suggestion from a listener. Oh, great. Which is really exciting. But you had already read it, right? I had. And I hadn't. But at that point, <laughs> I bought it and it We're will off be an interesting running. ride. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> All right. Goodbye.